Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. All right, welcome back to the Switch Leader Podcast. This is Josh Baldwin. I'm here with two of my really good friends, Matt Lamberth and James Meehan. We don't, Matt, have we had you on the on the podcast yet? I have not had the privilege yet. Man, that means this is going to be the best one. Oh, I wow. Because you're here. Wow. Man, <laughs> if you guys could see, Matt's wearing a sweet USA Olympic hat, but you can't see, so I'm just trying to paint the picture for you. We're really excited. So this week, Matt, who is from, he's the youth pastor at the South BA campus, South Broken Arrow campus, shout out to them. He's going to be hanging out with us and sharing some of his experiences in Switch with leading a Switch group in Switch. And then James is going to be helping us lead through week number or episode number six of the Switch Leader Essentials. And so I'll let him kind of share the details of what this episode looks like for anybody that hasn't caught on or hasn't heard it yet. James is the content well, what's your actual title? It's not content developer, right? Is that no, the title? My official unofficial title is James the Content Guy. That's so stupid. And the fact that that's what you said your title was makes me think you shouldn't be the content guy. Okay, fine, it's just a fine. Bad title. Okay, you're right. You're right. James the Content Man, like Batman, but Content Man. James the Con Man. So we're no, going to do this bad. without. <laughs> we're going to do this without. <laughs> Oh, I love. Okay. All right. Here we go. So episode six, it's going to be great. Everybody, you better be taking notes. You better have a notepad ready to, you know, scribble and write some stuff. Come on. You're about to learn about how to love Jesus better and teach students to do the same. Come on. I'm going to hand it off to you, James. As always, try as hard as you can to say something smart, at least one thing. Go. Absolutely. If you don't take notes, the information floats. There Hopefully it is again. it's not the first time you've heard it. That's something that we say regularly as of yep. maybe now. But I'm sure I've never heard it before. <laughs> well, then you have not been listening to the Switch Leaders Essentials podcast because I've said it here. So he thank has, you for I, revealing yourself. Okay, so we're in part six <laughs> of our series of podcasts called the Switch Leader Essentials, where we're going to cover a total of 10 episodes. That's going to talk about the lessons and principles that we believe every single switch leader needs to know in order to be the most effective you can be at leading students to become fully devoted followers of Christ. This week, we are talking about leading small. This episode right here is going to be an introduction slash overview slash review for some of you of the lead small principles. These five principles that help us make sure that we are making a personal difference in the lives of our students. Now, Starting in 2023, we're going to end up doing an entire series of podcasts where we go deep into each of these principles to hopefully make it even more practical for you. That's going to happen someday. Today is really just an overview to help you internalize and begin to maximize some of these ideas. So when it comes to leading small and what this looks like for us, what I want you to remember is that leading small is doing for a few students what you wish you could do for all students. It's doing for a few students what you wish you could do for all students. Because we all know that our ability to influence students is limited by the fact that we are one person with 24 hours in a day, that most of which we are not at switch <laughs> because we have jobs and families and hobbies and you know the need to sleep. And so there's only so much that we can do. And there's a lot that we want to do. And so if we want to make the most of the time that we have, let's choose to do for a few what we wish we could do for all. And there's this beautiful parable that Jesus tells found in Luke chapter 15, where he says that suppose 
one of you has a hundred sheep and you lose one of them. Don't you leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until you find it. And then when you find it, you're going to joyfully put it on your shoulders and go home. Then you're going to call your friends and your neighbors together. And you're going to say, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. What Jesus is talking about here is leading small. It's doing for the one, whatever it takes to bring them back home. And for us as switch leaders, we have chosen to step into a role where we have been positioned by God to do for a few students what we wish we could do for all students. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you all five of these principles so that you can hear them. And then we're going to take a couple of minutes to talk about each one and the ways that we have seen leaders practice these principles in a way that helps lead students closer to Jesus. These five principles are principle number one, be present. Number two, create a safe place. Number three, partner with parents. Number four, make it personal. And number five, move them out. Starting with principle number one, be present. This is how we connect the faith of our students to a community. And it looks like us as leaders showing up consistently, showing up randomly, and showing up mentally. So Matt, we're going to start with you. Talk to us about how, from your perspective as a youth pastor, somebody who's been in Switch for a long time, you have seen the power of this principle play out. James, I think that one of the most important pieces there is the consistency piece. We live in a world that is wildly inconsistent right now. And so when we can communicate to students just by showing up on Wednesdays that we love and care about them just with our physical presence, that's a huge win. And so one of the biggest ways that leaders can win is showing up every single week at Switch, showing up physically present in small group, ready to connect with your students. Something that I've been really um, wrestling with or challenge myself in this semester specifically, because I'm the youth pastor at South Broken Arrow, but I also lead a small group of senior guys on Wednesday night, which I love. One of the things that I've been challenging myself in is to show up randomly in their life and have been exploring creative ways to do that. I found out this week that one of the students in my group has been grounded the past couple weeks, and that's actually <laughs> why he hasn't been at Switch. And so I shot him a text and let him know, hey, man, I heard you're stuck at home. I'm praying for you. But then I went the extra mile. I challenged myself in this and I looked in my notes because I've got all of my students info in my notes app. I found his favorite candy. I went across the street to the gas station after switch, drove to his house, put it on top of his mailbox and shot him a text and said, hey, buddy, thinking about you, left you a treat at your mailbox. And what does that speak to him that I care about him deeply? And when as leaders, we show up outside of just the 30 minutes in small group that we have on a Wednesday night in a student's life, it communicates volumes that we care deeply for them, that we care about what's going on in their life and that we want to be a part of it with them. So that's the area that I've been challenging myself in the most. And then, man, I think the third point there, showing up mentally, where I see leaders win in this is almost taking a physical step out of their life on a Wednesday night and just into, hey, for the next two hours, 
I'm a small group leader for these students. I was reminded of this last night as I'm sitting in small group getting a ton of ring doorbell notifications because there was <laughs> someone walking around in my front yard for some reason at 8.15 at night last night. And I texted my wife to make sure she was okay. And then I went ahead and put my phone on focus mode because I wanted to be mentally present with my students and not thinking about the random guy walking around in my front yard. And so that physical and mental step out of my life and just into, hey, I'm going to be a small group leader for the next 30 minutes and that's it. Mm, that's so good. One of the most powerful things that you can show and bring to your students is your presence. And when you show up consistently, you show them you care enough to take time to be there every week. When you show up randomly, you show them that you care about them more than just for those two hours on a Wednesday night. And when you show up mentally, you are setting yourself up to be ready for whatever it is that they need to bring to you so that you can respond in a way that points them to Jesus. That's the first lead small principle is we choose to be present. The second thing we do is we create a safe place because it's when they have a safe place to process, feel themselves, to be comfortable, then we can actually help them clarify their faith as they grow. And some of the ways that we do that is we make them feel accepted and we create a comfortable atmosphere. So Josh, from your perspective, how do you do that well with a student who maybe doesn't feel super comfortable in a church environment? Yeah, I think that something I learned over the years was my intentionality of trying to create an environment that was fun. I sometimes actually, it was at the sake of their comfortability. And so for instance, it could be a student that was really, really interested in something. And if it's something I wasn't super interested in, I wouldn't necessarily jump in on that and find an interest in it. And in time, recognize that maybe that was that was a miss, right? That, that I was missing opportunities. And so some of the stuff that I, I had to learn was that obviously each student in the group has their own relationship with Jesus and or some that don't, right? But they're all in a different place. And I think we oftentimes think that that where they're at is linear and that it's also like the whole group as one is in the same place, right? <laughs> so you'd be like, well, this is where my group's at right now. Yeah. And that would be super convenient if it was true, right? Like if that were, <laughs> if that were reality and you could be like, yeah, my group, they're on step one of the 10 step Christian process, right? But there's not one. And so it might mean that you have one kid that is on what you might call step one and another that's on what you might call step seven, and you have to figure out a way to make both of those students feel like you understand what they're going through and where they are in their walk. And I think it's important that we ask questions and that we allow them to process where they're at and we don't make them feel like, oh, well, you actually were wrong in the way that you're processing this. Because in truth, they could be wrong about some of the stuff that they're thinking, right? They might be off off track on what we believe um, to, that the Bible's telling us and what, what Scripture says, but it doesn't make their process wrong. Right. And I think sometimes we create in our minds what the process is supposed to look like when what we're supposed to be doing is just being excited that they're in a process, and if we can be excited about the fact that they've started the process, then it allows them to keep on growing. And so I think, I think for me, it was more of learning your way is not necessarily my way. Yep. And I'm going to have to work on my ability to see things the way that you do. That's so good, man. I, I think about 
how if you as a leader are making assumptions about where your students are and should be, that's going to potentially get in the way of creating a comfortable environment for them, to be honest. And if you as a leader are unaware of how you are reacting to the things that they are saying with your words, your facial expressions, or your tone, that's potentially going to get in the way of them feeling comfortable. And so if you can come in and just be curious and listen without reacting in a way that might potentially show them some disapproval or unhealthy Mm -hmm. judgment, that's going to go a long way to getting them to be willing to open up even more in the future. Now, with this principle, though, the other thing that we want to do is not just create a safe place for them to be honest and open, but actually create a safe place for them physically, mentally, and emotionally. And this is why one of the ways that we do this is through the safety non-negotiables that we have within Switch. And when you went through orientation, you were introduced to these ideas, but here is what they are as a reminder. Our four non-negotiables is no dating students, right? Like no matter how close you are in age, (laughs) dating a student, never okay, (laughs) because there is a leadership and authority imbalance that puts a really, really unhealthy thing in that relationship. And so in order to be above reproach, we just, we don't go there. And so that's the first of the non-negotiables, no dating students. The second one is our two adult policy that applies to in real life interactions and online. And this whole policy is about creating safety for you and the students. And so what that looks like is we don't meet in a private place alone with students. If we're going to be interacting with students, we want to make sure that if it's not happening in the church building on a Wednesday night or on the weekend, that there is another adult with a background check around. And even when we are engaging with students digitally, online, in text messaging, group messaging, DMs, whatever, that we add the co-leader there. If you're a single leader in a small group, then you add your youth pastor or like you, you just do whatever you can to make sure that it's not a one-on-one conversation because unfortunately we've just seen that happen so many times where something not great can happen and we want to keep you and the students safe. The third thing is, man, we don't bully. Like you are a leader. You're not a student. This should be obvious. So we're not gonna spend a bunch of time on here. And then the last one though is mandatory reporting. Every single one of our volunteers at Life Church is a mandatory reporter. What that means is that, if that you suspect or you know that there is abuse happening in the life of one of your students, it is required that you report that to your youth pastor. Because again, we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that our students are safe, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And if you feel this weirdness of like, ah, oh, gosh, but I don't want to break their trust, I'm telling you, it is always better to risk breaking their trust in the moment to make sure they're safe in the long term. This is how we create a safe space so their students can be comfortable and literally can be safe. We make sure they know that they're accepted here, that they're welcome here, and we follow these non-negotiables. That's the second of these lead small principles, the way that we do for a few what we wish we could do for all. The third thing we do is we partner with parents because we know that there is nobody more influential in the lives of our students than their parents when it comes to supporting an everyday kind of faith. Well, I'm excited because, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, we're actually spending an entire podcast episode next week talking about this topic because we recognize it is infinitely more important than we could ever imagine, but it's also infinitely more challenging than we could ever imagine. As I'm looking at this list of five different lead small concepts, this is probably for me one of the hardest ones because 
there's the dynamic of students, parents who are in my small group, who are connected to the church, who are here on Sundays. They, some of them even serve and switch with me. And then there's the other students who their parents have nothing to do with the church. They don't attend on Sundays or engage with it in any way. And so it's this tough dynamic of, man, we want to do for the one what we wish we could do for the many, right? And so the parents who are here, who are engaged, who are serving or even just attending on Sunday, man, it's so easy to connect with them and help empower them to lead their student to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. But the parents who aren't engaged, man, that's the spot that I find myself wrestling with more than anything. And so I'll give... An example, I've got two boys in my small group, Logan and Josue, who recently, just this year, about a month and a half ago, gave their lives to Jesus. In the back of the auditorium, I remember it like it was yesterday because I was the one on stage inviting students (laughs) into that relationship. And I see their hands go up and it might have been the first time I've ever cried on stage before. Just just a couple tears because I had been praying for them specifically. But So they're ready to get baptized on November 13th, which is our next baptism coming up. And their parents aren't engaged at church. And so I'm doing everything in my power to make sure that their parents are here and are a part of their baptism and a part of that moment. And so I have been texting and calling probably a little obnoxiously, but I'm always going to default to the most aggressive thought when it comes to making sure that parents are here for the moment of their kid's baptism. And so I've got their info next year or next week, sending them a letter to invite them to the baptism because, man, it matters and it matters more than we think when we can not just connect with parents, but empower them to help lead their kid to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. It's infinitely more impactful than we think it could be. Absolutely, man. That's why we partner with parents, because we know they are the most important influence in the life of their student, but they aren't the only influence they need. So we show up. We do our part and we do everything we can to partner with those parents so that they can be the best they can be at doing their part. And like Matt mentioned, next week, we're going to dive even deeper on how do we partner with parents practically? How do we build those initial connections? How do we follow up regularly? How do we strengthen that relationship in a way that is mutually beneficial for us, for them, and most importantly, for their student? So that's lead small principle number three. We partner with parents. Principle number four is that we make it personal because one of the most helpful ways we can inspire their faith is actually through our example. Yeah. So I think that if you think about anything in your life that you're passionate about, it's, well, it's more contagious. People just see that you are and they want to be a part of it. I think that if we expect ourselves to have an opportunity to help students light the fire that that we've experienced in our lives before for Christ, we have to allow them to see the fire in our own lives and see that we truly do love Jesus, but it's not something we just preach about or say, and it's something that we actually live. <laughs> Come on. And I think if we're honest, that might be easier said than done. To do it well, we have to have quite a bit of humility. And I think that if you lack humility, I don't know that you can really show what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. Because for me, as a follower of Jesus, I cannot tell you how many times I have had to just say, God, I am so sorry <laughs> that I am such a mess. And that that isn't something I grew out of, right? Like that's something that I have into my adult life. It has never stopped. And I continue to find myself in these seasons of going, God, help me through what is happening next 
And so a few different ways that, that we talk about that, we're going to pursue Jesus passionately. We're going to model living in community. We're going to be involved in the life of the church, and we're going to live in a way that shows people you follow Jesus. And that will require transparency and humility. When I think about the things that I've gone through in my life, there's been some really heavy and I'm going to call them dark seasons. There they're really have, and there's been more than one. And they are seasons that when I look back, I don't know that my wife and I get through them without our community. Yeah. Like genuinely, if we didn't have people around us that knew us so well that when something was off, they called it out in us. And then not only did they call it out in us, but they walked with us through the fire. I like, I have a great marriage. But it is easy for me to look and see how marriages don't make it if they don't have people around them. And it's easy for me to see how people's relationship with Jesus could fall apart if people aren't around them to keep on showing them what Jesus looks like. And I think that if we expected our students to do that without us modeling it for them, it would be similar to us expecting them to go to school and teach themselves. It's just not something that's reasonable. And so I think that each one of those in living them out is, is really, really important. And the fact that you're serving in Switch, you're already modeling that you are the life of the church, that you're not going to church, you're being the church. And the last one I said, live in a way that shows people you follow Jesus. I think that there's probably some of us ser- serving in Switch that if we're honest with ourselves, we could go, there's some areas in my life I need to work on right now. And some of you, maybe that you're brand new to Switch, welcome to a ministry that is going to point out to you the things that you need to work on because (laughs) there's about to be, there's about to be some teenagers that are looking to you for an example, and it's going to make you check yourself and go, okay, wait a minute. Is every area of my life, I know that I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but am I doing everything that I can to make sure that every area of my life honors Christ to the point that if a student knew everything going on, I could say, yes, I'm doing the right thing. I'm trying to set the right example. And my relationship with Jesus is personal to me, and it's the most valuable thing in my life. Come on, man. That's so good. When you as a leader make it personal, you will inspire their faith by your example. So Matt, here's an important question. Because you lived with me for a period of time. We were roommates back before either of us were married. You worked with Josh. Worst season of Matt's life when he was living with you, but then the other part. Okay. And then he, he worked with you, Josh, for a time. <laughs> yeah, best season. At Life yeah. West, Oklahoma City. And I guess my only question for you, Matt, would be between Josh and I, hypothetically speaking, if you had to choose, <laughs> whose example has been a larger inspiration for your own faith? Just, you know, if you had to pick one. Yeah, that's a great question, James. Is there a third option? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to move on to the final principle in how do we lead small? How do we do for a few what we wish we could do for all? Yeah, we're just going to keep going. We're keeping going. All right. Principle number five, lead small, do for a few what you wish you could do for all. Move them out. Engage their faith in a bigger story. So Matt, talk to us about that one. Yeah, buddy. So I just just shared with some leaders last night. I love analogies just because I think they're fun. And, and Jesus spoke in parables, so why shouldn't we all the time? Ooh, okay. And so I, I talked about leading students as like a pinball machine. I grew up in a, <laughs> in 
live with my uncle for a certain period of time and he had a pinball machine. And so that's what I'm picturing when I tell this. But so in a pinball machine, you got your two little paddles and you and you shoot the ball up. And the goal is to get it in the jackpot or whatever the goal is. And, and you get it in the jackpot and then it comes back down into your little slotted space. But if you miss the jackpot, it comes right back at you. And then you got to try to hit the paddles again. So when you're leading students, you're oftentimes leading them to a next step. And that next step can look wildly different depending on what step they are in following Jesus, right? Josh joked about the 10 steps to becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ. That doesn't exist, but I wish it did. (laughs) That next step could be them reading their Bible consistently, praying out loud in group, serving on the weekend. For two of my boys right now, their next step is to get baptized on November 13th. Some of them, their next step is to give their life to Jesus and have their life here on earth and eternity radically changed. So there's a wide variety of next steps. And as leaders, it's up to us to oftentimes help push our students, lead our students to those next steps. And so we hit the pinball, right? We're the levers. We bump it. And sometimes they hit the jackpot. They take the next step. And we're so stinking proud of them. Other times they get a little motivated and then they fall behind and they come right back. And we got to hit them again with the lever of the pinball (laughs) machine and keep encouraging them, keep loving them towards what their next step in the relationship with Christ is. I can think of a wide variety of conversations with people, some of them being with Josh Baldwin when I was an intern under him who helped lead me to be the the follower of Jesus, the husband and the dad that I am today. And I'm thankful that he was a pinball machine in my life. And as leaders in Switch, that's exactly what we get to be for students every single week is a pinball machine. If you're taking notes, write that down. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) That was a a brilliant illustration. I like that. And it was- I prayed about that one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a really offensive way, but subtle way for you to answer the previous question about <laughs> whose faith has inspired you more. And so I thank you for the feedback, Matt. Very well done. You did it patiently and kindly and lovingly. So, hey, can I, I just want to add to it real quick. Yeah. These five things are that we just listed are we recognize that they're not groundbreaking in the sense that we're just blowing your minds here. We know that this is actually simple and incredibly valuable. It, I have definitely been in seasons in youth ministry where I've found myself thinking, hey, man, I just invited that kid, but I could tell by the conversation with them, like, they're not going <laughs> to, they're just not going to like switch. Like, it's just not going to work. And I, as a matter of fact, I, I had a conversation with some this weekend and they ended up coming to switch and loving it. And now they've come back multiple times. There's in their first few weeks, some just really some huge steps with their groups. And I found myself going, I just can't believe, like I'm just shocked that that kid is actually loving this because they're very quiet and it seems like the last thing they'd love. So this girl's leader at my campus, her name is Bianca and she does these five things very well and has done them for years. And because of that, this kid kept coming back and loves it. And I asked her in the last night, how it's going. She said, it's going great. I got the best small group. And I, I was like, all right, good. Like, I love that, you know, and at the end of the day, we know that she got the best small group for her and she got the right leader for her. But when a leader takes it seriously and recognizes that you need to do these things well, and it needs to be important to you, the outcome can be that a kid that our event was never going to reach you as a as a follower of Jesus can reach if if you'll make it priority. 
That's so good. This is how we lead small. We do for a few what we wish we could do for all. We choose to be present. We create a safe place. We partner with parents. We make it personal and we move them out. And so for you as a leader, here's our request. That you would decide to be a leader who leads small. That you would do for a few of your students what you wish you could do for all of your students. So like literally right now, think through one, two, a few of the students in your group and how you might more effectively lead small with them. Maybe it's going to look like being more present in their life by showing up randomly outside of a Wednesday night. Maybe it's going to look like you learning how to listen non-judgmentally so that you can create a safe place for them to open up about their struggles. Maybe it's going to be you getting connected with their parents and passing on a word of encouragement. Maybe as you're listening to this, you realize that you're coasting in your relationship with Jesus and you need to start getting more serious about your faith again. Maybe you've got a student who's ready to move to the next step of serving, starting a city group, leading a Bible study in their school, or getting involved serving in their community. Whatever it is, pick at least one thing and commit to act on it this week so that you can take at least one step to become a leader who leads small, a leader who does for a few what you wish you could do for all. So next week is going to be another really great opportunity for you to be able to tune in and hear something that we know is time-tested, and it's going to be about partnering with parents practically. And so we know that we talked about how important that is, but we also know that there's, it can be a little challenging to know exactly how to do that well and what your first step should be. So please make sure that next week you're tuning in. Matt, thanks so much for hanging out with us this week, and we really, really appreciate you. We love you guys. We love getting to talk with you each week, and we love that you are listening because it tells us that you care about being a better switch leader. You care about the mission of our ministry, and you care about students knowing Jesus better. So as always, thanks for joining us on the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Thank you.